Hello and welcome to Shoes Off No Cap, a podcast where we talk about all things dance. Being a teacher is an extremely challenging profession, and teaching dance is no different. You have to gauge students' levels, package your lesson in a way that's digestible for learners, and also, not forgetting, make it fun for everyone. On this episode, we have a super amazing dance teacher who is a renowned dancer and choreographer. She's worked with big name artists like Miss Nina, Joe Flizo, Sonawan, and so many more. It's none other than the creative director at Babel Dance, Maybelline Wong. In this episode, we talk to Maybelline about her early dance days, her many years of teaching, and some tips on connecting with your students in class. If you're a dance teacher or are hoping to be one, this is a good one for you. So let's sit back, relax, and dive deep into Maybelline's life with no cap. Hello, Maybelline. How are you? Hello, hello. Hi, Isas. I'm good. I'm better now that I'm about to chat with y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yay. We like the sound of that. So let's just get right down into it. Do you remember the first time you ever danced? Okay, so not many people know. We just had this conversation earlier about like growing up. So uh, before I was in JB, heard Sean is listening. I actually grew up in Papua New Guinea. Oh, so, hmm, okay. So... From one, two years old till seven, I was in Papua New Guinea. Actually, I had quite a lot of memories from, from those times, surprisingly. And I remembered this memory that my parents slow dance with each other after dinner in our living room, uh, which doesn't happen often at all. And I remember me and my sister, who's one year older than me, we just kind of followed them. Yeah, we were probably maybe like four or five years old. That's a memory that I still have. Yeah, I think that might be my first memory of dancing. You mind telling us what happened in in your family's life that resulted in you guys living in Papua New Guinea? What I know from my dad is that it it was hard for him to find a job in JB, so the economy wasn't really good at the time. And then his friend told him that there's a there's a job opening in Papua New Guinea in the oil palm industry. So he then told my mom. Yalah, it's time lah, you know, he needs to go try and make some money for the family. And then he went over for, I think, two, three months to, to see how the living condition, whether like it's okay for him to bring his family over. So my dad was, was there first and then he, then he brought us over. So you guys were there for like a few years, is it? Five years, five, six years. So until yeah. you were about like seven and then you came back to uh, oh, JB. Yeah. I see. Did you start formally training when you were in school? No, I had, don't have any formal training at all. Oh, okay. When was it that you start, you know, like start realizing that, hey, I, I want to like dance? In my teenage years, I, I used to go to church with my cousins. Hmm. So my cousins were in worship team and they have like tambourines hmm. uh, and they also, the tambourines also dance. So I remember watching them and watching some of my friends and during praise and worship time, I usually cannot focus because I would stare at the dancers. So there was a time where I know that I have interest in dance, but I still didn't know that it's something I want to do. I just know that I was attracted to how dance looked like and feel like. Yeah, I was only 13 years old. Every master was once a student. You know, and mm. uh, we definitely consider you uh, a master. Do you remember who were your first teachers? You know, your or your first dance class? First of all, uh, I'm nowhere close being a master, but thank you. But back to what we said just now, actually. So the first person who taught me dance is my cousin. Because she was leading the tambourine team at that time. So she taught me to play 
the tambourine. She also did some like, you know, ballet inspired angel-esque choreography. I was wearing like long white skirt and long white sleeve fitted top. Yeah, angel lah, okay. I'm practically an angel, guys. <laughs> yes, that was, that was 13 years old. And then, okay, my first paid dance class, I was 16. I remember mm. the class was called New Jazz. New Jazz. And yeah, so back then they call it New Jazz and then it went like girl style and it went, now it's just choreography. But back then it's New Jazz. <laughs> it, her name is Trinity from Dancologist. Dancologist to me is still actually probably the strongest female crew in Malaysia that I've ever mm. seen. Yeah, Dancologist. I was 16. Which year was this roughly? Wait, let me think. I graduated school 2005, 2004. This was still in JB, right? I was still in JB, yes. Then I came up here to study. I was in college here. And then I got into Miss Nina's team. So we were called Z team. So Z team is Miss Nina's dance crew. Mm -hmm. So a huge, huge part of my dance education came around because of Z team. So my first hip hop and house teacher is Marcus Tucker. Shout out to Marcus. Ooh. He he's from Philadelphia and he taught me yeah for a good three years that I was with Nina. But um, saying that because sometimes he travels back uh, back home to the states. Whenever he's not around, then uh, Ali and Sheikh. I don't know whether you know them. They are like they are OGs. Sheikh and Ali would teach me when Marcus is not around. So they are my first few teachers as well for hip hop and house. Also from Z Team is Whacking. Cleo, Cleo is also one of the leaders in Z Team. So mm-hmm. she taught me Whacking. And then lastly, at the end of Miss Nina's sort of period, I met Adam Tan, which I think Izzas would know. Adam at that point had a huge influence on me for choreography because I would go to his class or we would dance together. Uh, actually a huge part of the way I teach in influenced by him mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of choreography. All of this came after you joined the V team, right? Yeah. So a huge, like really a big part of my dance education is, is there. La. Ah, lastly, Yanis. So Yanis is the... The manager for Z team and also for Nina, for Miss Nina. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I think I guess you guys know, having been part of this industry as a, a performer, a part of being a dancer is also managing yourself and your dance crew. Yanis really taught me that. Like just seeing her, how she managed us and how she mm-hmm. deals with clients. I learned a lot from, from there, from, from her. Yanis American. Amazing teacher. How did you manage to get in a V team? Like, um, you know, like, uh, forgive me if I sound like a bit rude or whatever, but like, how, how does one like, you know, like come from dancing in JB? Okay. You came here to study and then whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. V team. How does that yeah, happen? <laughs> I love this question because I am still in disbelief after, I don't know how many years he has been. 10 years. Hey, shit. Is that, oh, sorry. Can I curse? No, it's not cursing. Can, can, can. Yeah, it's been 10 years. Yeah, I'm okay. So I remember when I came up here, I I saw these dancers. So I saw Sheikh, I saw Ali, I saw Cleo, uh, mm. back then Stephanie. Yeah, she doesn't dance anymore. She was also, so four of them were in Z team. Actually, there was one more, two more guys or something. Mm. I don't know their names. So I saw their, uh, on, on Facebook, that time still Facebook, you know? So I was like, oh, I saw their Facebook videos and pictures and like, and in my head, I was like, wow, this is where I can be if I really work hard as a dancer uh, in KL. Okay, so JB people always refer to Klang Valley as KL. No matter if it's Lama oh. or whatever, they don't care. It's oh, called okay. KL, yeah? <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. So, oh, so KL scene. Okay, so this is like, 
that's the peak lah. So okay lah, how do I get there? So I will kind of like obsessively stalk them on Facebook, but I won't, of course, I don't show lah, you know, because yeah, try to be cool. But I would just watch their stuff. I watch, I watch their videos. I watch like where they're performing and all that. And then I heard from Stephanie because at that point I got my first performance with Hani Madhu, and Stephanie was dancing for Hani Madhu. And then Stephanie told me that Z Team actually is about to have an audition. And I was like, oh shit, okay. I was damn scared lah, but I was like, okay, you just gotta go, you just gotta go. So I showed up. And then, uh, so then I, I, I just have to go. And then I went and there was two parts to the, okay, just keep the story short. Yeah. So I just went for the audition. I didn't expect to be chosen because, no, I have to tell, sorry. Just, yeah, just tell. Just tell it. Just tell it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just like, I'm worried that I'm, no. I'm, like, I'm worried I'm long-winded. Okay. I will tell the story. Yeah. So there was two parts to the audition. Hmm. The first part was choreography okay. um, so they taught a choreography and then we did it and i felt like i did well mm. and i was like okay i think i think i think you did you did well mate. i think you did well and then the second part they were like okay uh everyone that's form a circle and i'm like why are we forming a circle huh? why 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 are you forming mm. a circle and then they're like okay uh, we're gonna put on the music and just you know this is the cypher just freestyle and i was scared and someone who has no hip-hop background at that point i didn't know what a cypher was i have never been in a cypher i had never been in a circle didn't know what a dance circle it was and i remember my heart was just beating so fast i was sweating more than when i was dancing the choreo and there was just this struggle and i was like maybe you have to go if you don't go you're not going to get chosen and you don't even have a chance to prove yourself, you know, but, and then I was like, Oh my God, but if you go in your shit, what should you do? Don't go, baby, because you are good. <laughs> 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 it was just like angel and devil situation in my head. And I actually let my, my doubt and, um, got the better of me and I didn't go. Oh, oh, no. oh my God. And I just regretted. Like I I was so, I, I remember, I think I cried when I went back home because I was just so mad at myself. I was speaking about it. I remember like I can feel my tears coming out. Oh. Um, yeah. And I was just really upset at myself for not doing it. And then I was really anxious uh, about the results because, but I also knew that I probably just didn't have a chance because I didn't go. Mm. Um, so lessons to people out there who are listening, even if you think you should, you have to go. You have to go. Yeah, um, word, guys, word. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. Um, I was I was one of the very lucky ones that still got through for some reason. And I asked them, why did I get through? Because I know I didn't go out for, for uh, the freestyle, for the cypher. And then, then my seniors told me, I mean, the dancers told me, yeah, actually, Marcus didn't want you because you didn't come out for the cypher. Mm-hmm. And obviously, because he's, he's from Philly, right? That's, that's like, that's the thing, you know, you gotta, you gotta represent yourself. Yeah. No matter what. So he didn't feel like I represented myself, but I really owe it to the other, uh, Abali, uh, Sheikh, Cleo and all said that I need to be given a chance. And they mm-hmm. really saw something in me that was special that they felt like they should give me a shot. So they actually fought for me. So I am so, so blessed. I owe my dance career to them because without this stepping stone of being part of Missing Us team, I would mm-hmm. not be here. Of where I'm at. Did you manage to find out like what was the special sauce that from you that made them like want to consider you even though you didn't go out and represent yourself in the cipher? They just said I had something when I danced, when I, I, I performed. Yeah, they said I perform ah. and there's something special when I dance, when they see me. 
it, it was hard for me to understand that back then. But over the years, I've learned to see it for myself and acknowledge that that I have that. Even though you know Asian culture, we're like, oh, just be humble and you know when people compliment you, just mm-hmm. say oh no lah. But over the years, I learned that that acknowledge this magic in you, you know, and accept yeah. that and like yes, yeah. I have this magic and I am I inviting this magic to to continue to stay with me and to. To get even bigger. Can I ask, like, is it a Z team or V team? Is it a Z or a V? Is that yeah? But oh, okay. Marcus is American, so Z. Uh, <laughs> Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Z Nina. team. Yeah, Miss Nina with a Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long was the Z team a thing? Eh? I think five years. I only joined at the start of the third year. They had a good first two years. And and <laughs> I remember it opened for Usher, and I was like, oh my <gasps> god, yeah! And that was when like, no, no matter what, I need to get on this team because this is nuts. I would never have imagined wow. a Malaysian dancer to be able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really a dream come true. It's it's pretty insane. You're yeah. at the right place at the right time. Yeah, completely. Because. I think after Miss Nina, after that few years, the dancing just never had that chance to get to that state again. So, like you, you danced for them for like three years, right? Yeah. Um, and then what happened after that? Then after that, I it was hard because all my dance life at that point, because I I went from being a nobody, being a like a, yeah, like I I wasn't in a dancing. I I didn't know anyone. No one knew me, and suddenly being one of Miss Nina's dancer, and then getting all this this knowledge and this opportunities, and suddenly just being with the best people in the industry, you know. And I, I just kind of was always a stage performer and a backup mm-hmm. dancer for Nina, and I know I was good at that. I was good at performing mm-hmm. and being a backup dancer, and I didn't know who I was as a dancer. Like mm-hmm. if I'm not missing as dancer, if I'm not doing Marcus choreography or Cleo's choreography, like who am I? Like what do I do? What what do I like to dance? I had no idea. So so that's why I say Adam was a huge mom, a huge influence on me and a huge influence and teacher because I saw the way he approached choreography and music, and I was like, hey, I listen to this too, and I like R and B as well, and you know, and then he was like, yeah, actually we should dance together. Oh, we should collab together, and I was like, yeah, I can. <laughs> Uh, but he was very encouraging, and, and mm. I started just dancing more with him. Yeah, so I think slowly from then onwards, I started to find my my voice as not just a teacher, but just a dancer. Like, what songs do I like to dance mm. to, mm. and how do I want to feel when I dance? Yeah, these questions only came after or towards the end of of when I was dancing for Nina. So it took some time lah to then understand who I am as a dancer. So my journey is quite. Everywhere, like <laughs> yeah, like I started being with like one of the, some of the top performers in the industry, and then suddenly to not knowing who I am at all as a dancer, mm. and then slowly finding my voice as as a dancer and a teacher. So that's why people think I've been in the industry for very long. I'm very experienced, but no, I was just like what uh, Diana said, right place at right time with the right people mm. that just propelled me into this. I'm only like dance age is probably eleven years older. Do you like continue dancing after that that experience, or you or you felt lost and then you didn't do anything at all? Oh no! I continue all the way. But oh, dance okay. age meaning from the start of me being a dancer in the scene, or mm-hmm. learning dance, or yeah. being exposed to hip hop, or any choreography or other styles was was yeah. only when I was twenty one mm-hmm. years old. They say dancers are born twice. You know, first when you know you come out of your mother's womb, and second when you decide to dance. You know. 
Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's a quote for another movie, but I, it, it wasn't about dance. It was about something else, but I just repurposed mm-hmm. it. During the Nina days, do you mm-hmm. consider yourself as like a a dancer? Is that what you felt certain that that's what you want to do in life? I like this question. It's like coming back to me on like how pivotal those years were. I remember this performance for Anugra Screen. It was very early days of, it was probably just the very first few performance that I did with Z Team. And we were performing a slow song that was sung by Nina and No, her husband. And and that time they just kind of announced that they're together and about to get married. So it was a big deal. Lah. And I remember it was Anugra Screen, I think it's media prima. And I remember going to venue rehearsal and there was a live band and Marcus choreographed the slow song like in a very jazzy jazzy style mm-hmm. and somehow for some reason i i think i have this jazz is kind of built into me i don't know why but i'm not i'm not classically trained if i have to pick a natural style it will be actually jazz so i remember like all of us were in black and white suits we had everyone was in fedora the, the ladies were in heels and i remember doing stage performance i was just in awe of all the moving parts coming together like the cameraman the live band us dancers and producers everything i remember just watching everything and i was just like wow this is crazy this is huge so many different different departments coming together so many different artistry coming together And then you know I did that the rehearsal and everything, and I did the performance. And then when when I watched the playback and and I mm-hmm. saw myself dancing with my eyes, like me dancing on the screen, I remember I just like I, I couldn't believe that that was me. I couldn't believe that was happening. And that's me, like Nadine from JB, JB girl from Tulu, your day. And I was like, wow, I'm performing. And I did well, and I and I, I struggle saying this. I mean, we're all dancers. We know that we struggle saying that we did well. But at that point, I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, maybe okay, I did one major mistake that was quite obvious." But a part of that, like, "Wow, maybe you did well, and you look good, and this is your thing." Like, it was jazzy. It was like, "Wow, wow, maybe." And I was like, and at that point, I was like, "This is it. This is what I want to do." Like this feeling of performing, and then watching myself perform, and and just being in this. Full picture of different departments and different artistry coming together to produce this. Wow! Like, uh, yeah, that was a moment that kind of just—I was blown away that I was a part of it. And I think that that would be that would be the moment that I felt certain. Wow! Good question, Diana. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> we really like bringing people back to like how they started or like their thought process, what their thought process was when they first started, because we get a lot of interesting stories. And no mm. two dancers are the same when they answer this yeah. question. Yeah. Like, Like the initial reason could be like something as simple as oh, I I want to look cool. That's yeah, it. Yeah, no, but that's yeah. always that, right? Mm. Yeah, like I thought I looked cool. Yeah, it's really good. We've talked about your life growing up and then uh, up to the point where you decided that, you know, dance is going to be this thing. Dance will be this thing that you will do. You know, this is your purpose on earth. I just want to know, like, is there anything that you wish you had known about dance, you know, as as a career or, you know, as even as, as a hobby or an art when you first started out? What I wish I had known earlier would be how to take care of my body better. Yeah. Oh, I I really agree with you with this one. Yeah, I agree with Especially, you so hard on this one. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so 
okay, but yeah, right? Like, I'm sure we all agree with that. If you know that this is what you want to do for a long time, whether it's professionally or out of passion or both, I feel like definitely learning how to take care of your body is, is something so important. I, I feel like I, I definitely didn't have the knowledge back then. And uh, it has cost me. I, 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 I'm 33 this year and I don't have any major injuries, but it's one of those annoying ones that won't go away. That if you <clears throat> overwork or if you dance a lot or you didn't warm up properly, then you're going to yeah. feel it. So I have that problem with my knee. And mm. it's always this, like dancers, it's always your knees or your lower back. Yeah. yeah. So these are the two things that we really need to take care of. So yeah, definitely learning how to take care of your body, like the, the right way to warm up, to cool down, mobility work, mm. foam rolling. That's also another thing that I only learned after being in Babel. Uh, I didn't know anything about that. Actually, no. Actually, I saw Miss Nina foam roll before, but I'm like, what's that? What's this cylinder <laughs> object that <laughs> that hurts. I don't know what was that for, but I just roll around with them for fun. But it hurts, so obviously I didn't go. I didn't think that it was fun or yeah. anything. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So also to, I know it, it might be a little bit of a struggle in terms of uh, financially, but get a, a good physio. Go yourself a good physio and see him or her from time to time. This, yeah, this part as a shout out to Joe from Spinal Life. Yeah, he's been taking care of my body. Actually, I'm about to do something with him. And I haven't announced it, so this could be a good good time to announce it. Oh, okay, yes, you, you heard it first yeah, on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys are getting like, yeah, inside scoop. So we're going to do this thing where I will look for dancers who has issues with your body and then work with Spinal Life to, so Spinal Life will have a team because they usually do team team training. So yeah. I will provide dancers for their team training in like an open format uh, for their team to kind of uh, observe observe the dancer or what their moving patterns like, what hurts, why it hurts, and for their team to come up with solutions on how to improve this dancer's physique mm-hmm. or this dancer's movement. There will be no cost for the dancers uh, because we will be sort of like their test objects uh, for their training. Wow. That's yeah. Amazing. I, I would wow. sign up. <laughs> when Isn't will this be? Uh, actually, I'm already starting to speak to him. So just if you, uh-huh. if you have issues with your body, just, okay, yeah. later just DM me, like what are your issues, your, yeah. your name, and then, yeah, I will just start sending this to them and then they can start scheduling when will they see whoever. Yeah. So actually, before we had this conversation, I've already sent uh, Lego Sam to them. Mm. I've already sent payout to them. So basically, I just sent like, okay, these are our dance national treasure. Please mm. take care of them. Please protect <laughs> them at all costs. <laughs> yeah, at all costs, yeah. Because they were like, oh, I think I can take on one more. I'm like, okay, who everyone else? These are the two person that needs the most help because they are representing Malaysia. Okay, yeah. other people can wait. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but now they are they're able to take on more. And I'm like, okay, so it's time. It's time to open up to other dancers. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because whenever I go to their session, mm-hmm. uh, like recently I had my upper shoulder. It was hurting. I have no idea why. I think it's just mm-hmm. lack of moving. Like I'm, I'm from MCO and then suddenly yeah, I'm just yeah. teaching full on classes mm-hmm. and my body is like, what the hell is going on, Maybelline? You, we haven't been moving this much. So I had all sorts of issues and I went in here. Like, okay, uh, I'm available. My colleague, uh, who's a, so he's a physio and his colleague's a Cairo. Mm-hmm. And then I went in and I just had two professionals looking at my body, observing and like, okay, I think it's this, this, this. And I was like, wow. And this was on my birthday last week and I was like, wow, these, these are angels. Like, these are like proper angels that are telling me what I need to do to take care or 
what are the exercises I can do, what is, what's the potential cause. And these people like studied for it, you know, these are the signs of human body that we don't know. Mm-hmm. They spent their life studying and I'm able to benefit from their knowledge. Mm-hmm. What is life? <laughs> yeah. So I'm very happy to be able to do this. I think one of my passion is really that to be a bridge between dancers and something else. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like, like you guys know, like you guys been, some of you have been to the, to Mayhem Jam, like the bridge yep. to, 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 to like, to music events, you know, to parties, yep, yep, yep. workshops. And, and now it's this, this is my current mm-hmm. like, exciting thing that I want to do. Yeah. You should probably get one of those uh, health professionals onto the podcast and then just talk about like, you know, good ways yes. to take care of our bodies. Yes. I will hook you oh up my with God, my yes, yes. Oh my God. There you <laughs> go. Yes. But he will say, he will, okay, I know his answer already. Every dancer is different. We all have yeah. issues. Our body is like messed up in different ways. But there yeah, must be so. a general, general way to go about it. I don't know, a general advice. <laughs> That's what I think, you know. That's what I think because I actually spoke to him because I wanted to do a session for dancers before mm-hmm. we spoke about this project. So I said, like, I want, I think dancers need to know this. And he was like, I was like, okay, so how many people that you think we can, like, you know, fit in into this session? And he was like, uh, three, five. I'm like, uh, no, Joe, like, like, come on. Like, I need more dancers to be exposed to this. He's like, yeah, I know, Maybelline, but every dancer is going to have different problems. And there's no, like, one solution fit all because it's a mm. human body. And I was okay. like, ugh. That's true though. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're always excited about okay, how many people can benefit from this? But the the reality is that we all have different bodies and different ways of moving and different like bad habits, you know? Like the common practice that you said just now, like um to stretch well and then use the foam roller. I think that has to be like more of an awareness. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to link you guys up and then you guys yeah. can throw him the questions. I'm sure yes, a lot of dancers will benefit. You from will. It. I don't know about you guys, but like it's actually a very um it's a very big pet peeve of mine when when I enter like a class, a dance class and there's no warm up. Uh, <laughs> I like uh-huh, memang uh-huh. pantang gila gila, you know. Uh, <laughs> like my mood will forever be down. <laughs> it, it's such an important thing for me. Uh not not just like for the health benefits, but just to like get into it. Is there a lot of dance? teachers out there who don't do warm-up uh, i've been to enough for it to become a uh, pet peeve okay i think like if you don't want to do warm-up it's okay if you say it beforehand so that the mm-hmm. dancers will come in earlier to do their own warm-up yeah right because mm-hmm. mm, some teachers do that some of the teachers that i've invited for workshops they would do that mm-hmm. they would say like okay mm-hmm. just come earlier do your own warm-up i should i should go to physio more often <laughs> yeah <laughs> The thing that puts off people is just the the money aspect. It can be expensive, to be fair. Yes, (laughs) yes. And it's not like dancers earn not money, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, before we move on to the next, I'm just really curious about like, your name, Maybelline? Like, is that your, your parents give the name mm. to you? Or is it a name that you give to yourself? So when I, because I'm the youngest in the family and I'm from, I'm Chinese. So I've always been called Mei Mei. So my original name is Wan Hui. That's my Chinese name. And when we went to Papua New Guinea, my dad's colleagues, they were like, oh, what's the name? Wan Hui. Wait, what? Wan Hui. And they were like, okay, that's very hard. And then my mom was like, oh, how? I have to give her English name. I have to give her a name. <laughs> and then they couldn't sing. So they're like, oh, May, May. I'll call her May, May, May. Yeah, her name would be May. And then there was a lady at that point was like, oh, do you know May is actually a short form for Maybelline? Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't know whether she's just joking with my mom or she really think it's real that Maybelline is the full name of May. But then it, then my mom was like, okay, Maybelline, yeah. 
Yeah. Her name is Maybelline. A short form is May. So it's not in my in my IC or passport or anything. But uh, yeah, so from young, people call me May or Maybelline. It's very cute because I have different points of using different names. So whenever someone call me and I don't see them, I know which point of my life they are from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when I was a kid, it was May. Like Papa New Guinea fans were May. And then in school was one way. Mm-hmm. College days were May or Maybelline. But dance was always Maybelline or maybe. Ooh. So your dance yeah. identity. Stage maybe name. it was just the easier way. La. So right now, when, when you go out, you know, like let's say like if you go out on a blind date or something like that, you introduce yourself as Maybelline, right? Yeah. We asked Pei on that question or so. You know, <laughs> like, so like, you know, like when you go out, you know, like on a first date or whatever, do you introduce yourself as Amiru or do you introduce yourself <laughs> as Peon? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peon is quite a strange name, right? To, for other people, I guess. Yeah. But we're so used to it because we know him as that. So it's like, eh, yeah. something wrong with all? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until he tells you, I'm sure he shared with you guys his what Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, ah, that's quite a funny story. That's dope. Yeah, <laughs> that it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember your first class? How did it go? The first class I taught, like getting paid to teach a class. <laughs> was mm. in it was a kids class in celebrity fitness oh. in, in Banda Utama in one Utama a kids and class yeah it was a kids class it was in the gym. Sunday afternoon in a gym yes Sunday is a day where the gym allows parents to bring their kids oh, no to, to okay. take class and then they can go do their workout or whatever and then they just bring the kids to us lah. It was havoc lah, you know, because kids. <laughs> have you guys taught a t- kids class before? Yes, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's, it's a whole different ball game. It, it, yeah. it tests your skills in different ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So oh, yeah. yeah, so that was that was my first class. 2009. I wonder how the other dance teachers do it, you know, like the ones like people like Luke, like he does a lot of kids' classes. Mm. If you see him teach kids, like if you have, if you ever seen him teach kids, like you can tell why kids like him, you know, like he's, mm. he's extremely patient in the class and he has like this demeanor that kids really like. Really right. not for everyone. Like, oh my God, Susan, I'm on those yeah. guys. No, bro, like I stopped teaching kids and then after that, I did again sometime mm-hmm. in between my career la, and uh-huh. taught for two years and I was like, no, this is not for me. This is not what I want to do. You have to be, a, it's, it just takes a different person. La. But yeah, um, Luke actually taught me a really good tip. He was like, yeah, if you mm-hmm. cannot get attention, right, you do this thing where you play Simon Says. So everyone was like crazy, oh. crazy. They're running around. They don't want to listen to you. Then suddenly he goes, Simon Says. Put your hands up and stay still. And then like maybe most of the, the students will put and then the naughtiest kid who doesn't want to do anything. And finally see everyone is putting their hands up and staying still. Then he's like, I'm peer pressure. And then he will. Oh. And I was like, wow, Luke, that's an amazing technique. Tell me more. Uh, yeah, wow. Luke is dope. For any teachers, if you struggling with kids, please hit Luke up. Buy oh, yeah. him makan or something. Mm, I, I agree. I agree. Damn. Yeah. Do you remember your first, uh, what was your first like regular slot class? That would be uh, this teacher from Celebrity Fitness. He saw me dancing or teaching and then he was like, oh, I think, then she, he recommended me to the studio. Shall we dance? Yes. Oh. The name is called Shall We Dance? Yeah. So, so I taught street jazz. Street there. Jazz. That was my first permanent slot. 
I don't really see a lot of street jazz class posters right now. Has it been renamed to something else or has just street jazz been out of fashion already? Or it's, it's been renamed? It's a choreography. Oh, okay. It's not a, a proper dance style. It's a mixture mm-hmm. of different things. So there's influence of like uh, of, of hip hop. There's influence of the style and jazz of a mm-hmm. stage performer. Basically, street jazz is like what... Back then, they would say the reference of street jazz would be like Britney Spears, <laughs> Pussycat Dolls, you know, um, yeah. Beyonce. Like that's like there's a little bit of like a little bit of street uh, street element, like Wade Robson. Ah, so I think he's a great mm. good example of street jazz. Yeah. So there's a little bit of, of street elements, but also the performing vibe of simplified movements or feel, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. I see. But you're right, lah. I think that the name, the term street jazz, is out of yeah state or fashion already. Mm-hmm. It's just choreography now. When you like have your regular classes and you're kind of like comfortable with the way you teach, like, can you like just let us know how how you usually teach your classes? Are there like some of the methods that have been effective? So I, I think I will explain this from from a point of a choreography class. I I usually start with explaining the vibe, the theme, the focus of the class because I want the students to understand from the start what mm. to expect and what we're trying to achieve together. I particularly like warm up and groove, and not just because what we spoke earlier about like oh it helps your you know get your body you know in a good state, but also what is I said earlier actually like it gets you in the mood right? Yeah. It gets you in the zone. So it sets the tone now. It sets the tone for the rest of the class to music and groove and usually in that i will take at least 15 minutes to do to do that and it takes a big chunk so i I try to have my class 90 minutes because just warm up alone takes some time and during this warm up i i because i get to pick the songs that that is similar to the song that i'm choosing to teach and also like it's like a short playlist of song Mm -hmm. that i want to and like to move to and if i know that a friend is coming to my class and i know that they lion this kind of music Mm -hmm. then i would actually purposely select a song that they would like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Then the vibe is different because when you know that your friend back there is going to lie on this song, the warm up, the groove part is going to be so much fun. True. Yeah. Mm. So, so that's one thing that that's actually one of my secret weapons for setting the tone of, of a class. So that's warm up. And then I go into the choreography uh, which is a pretty regular kind of method that that most choreographers do. Yeah. So say I'm taking, I'm teaching like six eights in a class, then I'll break it down to maybe like three checkpoints. And then I will teach with counts and sounds first, depending on what I'm comfortable with and able to explain. And then we'll go in the usual, you know, you go from a slow tempo to medium and then to the actual tempo. Then I will play the music for maybe about three rounds so that they understand how, how it sounds like and look like. Then I mark the steps to the music to so that they can hear and see what we're doing and then pull out. So it's, it's quite standard uh, way of, of teaching. And then from time to time in between the rounds, I would emphasize on say a lyric or a feeling that I'm, I'm using uh, in the choreography. Because I believe in the end of the day, we're dancing to, to someone's music and, and this is our interpretation of, of someone's artistry, someone's soul. So I always want my student to remember I guess these feelings or this pocket yeah. and that being said like I also I mean this is a bit larry from the point of the method mm. uh, I, one thing that I always do is I always encourage students to not just watch dance videos yeah. online but also to watch the live performance video of the artist that you like or the mm. song that you like because especially with something groovy or something soulful and you watch the way the artist perform you can see it from the original source of the singer 
how it feels. Yeah. So especially when it comes to like R&B, and when if I pick a song, then I would always watch their live version, live performance, mm. and see like, oh, okay, so this part he feels that way or she feels that way. And I was like, mm, do I feel that way about it? No. Okay, but if I drew it, I'm like, yes, I actually felt this. I don't know. It just feels more in tune. You know, that little neck groove that they do. It's always about the neck, man. The neck is a magic. Oh yeah. Right. The <laughs> neck yeah, yeah, move yeah. and it's like. Because when dancers do it, it's different. But when you watch this, the artist, the singer, or the musician do it, it's just raw. It's just like, you know, it's different. Yeah. So I always encourage my students, watch live performance because you learn directly from their body language. Yeah. It's not like a dance move, you know, it's a body language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always like to watch the bassist, the bass player. Yeah. 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 They're just vibing. Yeah, right? I love it. <laughs> Yeah, there's something about them. Then there's stank phase. There's always a stank phase going on <laughs> with bass players. <laughs> yeah, I love That's it. So true. <laughs> uh, what other? Okay, since we're on the topic of method, uh, another method that I do actually is that I, I would switch between being strict and being funny and encouraging. Ooh. So, um, yeah, so sometimes people would say that, oh, uh, maybe like she would like, you know, yell at you, you know? Like, like her mood not good and then she will actually I hear people talking about me if her mood is not good she would yell at the students which is not not wrong I mean not wrong it's, it's not uh, it's not a lie because I actually do that but I don't do it for no reason I do it because I know if I yell at you and I'm like okay I said this 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 you know I didn't say this this so when I say this I need you to focus and get this because sometimes I can see it in their eyes they're not focused I can tell <laughs> yeah I can tell when you're trying or you're not when I know you're not trying and I know you can do it then I will yell at you because I know you can so I won't be nice about it sometimes I won't so I will yell I won't yell directly at a person but I would make sure that person know <laughs> that I'm referring to that person but I make sure that it's not obvious that I'm singling out one person lah. so I would switch between that and then the flip of that would be when the person actually do it, I'm like, yeah, like, holy shit, this is exactly what I wanted. And I know you guys can do this. So why don't you do it from the start? I was like, but you totally did it. I knew you could, you know, and then that just kind of pushes them. And it's like an encouraging note to that. Mm. And, and then, you know, after that, then I was switched to like being stupid. Oh. We just kind of change the tone of the of that a little bit. So I feel like also it's it's a show, right? When you when you teach a class, not that you do a show for no reason. You just know how to control the tone. You're you're a master of ceremony in in mm. that. Uh, yeah. you, you know how to control the the tone of your class, uh, not just the pace, the technicality of the class, but like just be aware of the emotions of the class so mm. that it's not flat. That's true. Okay, like in a class, okay. you need to like have the attention of the people, the, the students in the class mm. or else they, they lose focus. It's such a skill, man. Like you not only have to teach, but you have to yes. like control the class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything wow. is in that room. Like you are in control of, of, mm. of the tone, the pace, the emotion, the mood. It's actually a lot. It's a lot. You don't, don't realize that it's quite a lot to be an instructor. Did you realize this as like on the get-go when you teach the first classes or like did you learn oh, it on the, on the road? Yeah, definitely on, on the road. And I yeah. think I only had a better grasp of it or understood that I was doing this only in recent years. So I'd say maybe three, four years back when I started teaching in Babel. So I started in Babel 2018. Yeah, I think that was when I started being a better teacher or at least a teacher who... I understand the way I teach or the way I, I am as a teacher. 
Mm. So it takes it, it takes time. <laughs> On the topic of uh, teaching class, uh, how do you handle a mixed ability class? You know, like say one third of them, they're really experienced students, you know, like you see them all the time and you, you just know that they have no problem in chewing up your four eight counts or eight eight counts. And then another third of the class, they're like struggling to even catch the first two eights. Personally, I have a lot of problem with this uh, whenever this situation happens in my classes. So I just want to know, like from the perspective of a more experienced teacher, what should instructors do when they're faced with this situation in class? This is also a very good question, Izaz. It, they're all my problems, and so... <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not very deep, maybe. They're, they're just all my problems. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a very good question. I think I'm going to give you two ways of looking at it, or two ways of of approaching this. Okay. Okay, let's look at the more technical side. The first one is, uh, I would say, to find a, a middle ground for taste. And saying that and knowing that is one thing, but actually finding it is a different thing, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. <laughs> so, yeah, I think trying to find this middle ground for taste, uh-huh. of taste between both levels. And another thing that I try to do as well is that when I really see someone struggling and I'm like, okay, they really cannot handle, then I would tell them, okay, focus on just footwork or just the arms. Or just the groove, like just pick one thing and just try to encourage them or just tell them like, hey, because sometimes more than often they will feel shy to pick one thing to focus on because everyone else is doing everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. So then I try to reassure them and remind them that everyone has their own learning pace mm-hmm. and, and dance experience. And I was like, okay, you see this guy or you see this person at that corner and he danced like that or she danced like that because... He, she or he has been dancing since they were 14, okay? So you mm-hmm. cannot compare yourself to them. Mm-hmm. So everyone has their own pace. So just focus on you and what you can do today. So if you feel like it's just, you can only handle, say, just the footwork, then just do that. Like, don't compare yourself with others. So I try to make them feel a bit more comfortable, lah, you know? Okay, so I will always remember a, a class by Keone and Mary in mm-hmm. Summer Jam in Singapore. He, he said something that stuck with me since then that I always use this whenever I see someone struggling. Keone said that the work you put in today is for your next class, your next performance, and your next freestyle to be better. Yeah, okay. so if you struggle today, that's okay because the work now it's for your next one it's for your next one it's for your next one so you just put in the work this stuck with me i use this quote all the time in my class yeah yeah write it down is us <laughs> i am i am writing it down do you have a camera in my room you know that like, i am writing it down <laughs> yeah so when i went for the dance camp okay not with summer jam but say i went to udc and i journal every day just so that i remember all these lessons because there's so much to take yeah. in and if you if you don't journal it you're not going to remember it mm, that's true yeah so true. yeah definitely uh, is that I, I feel you so whenever i go for my dance travels as well i i try my best to journal however tired i am you yeah. know they say that like improvement doesn't happen by practice improvement happens when you reflect on the practice i love that i'm gonna write that down oh yeah okay so that was for mm, the beginners for the beginners so uh, what i try to do with experienced dancers in the class, because sometimes you, it's hard to manage both. Like if you pay too much attention to the beginners, then you much will, might neglect the, the, the experienced dancers. So one of, one of the ways that I try to do is that I will try to highlight them 
So say like, okay, we finished the checkpoint already. And then instead of me showing it, I'll be like, okay, watch Sha do this. Or like, I'll be like, okay, Amy, can you, can you do this for me? Uh, can you show them the way you do it? Then they do it and then they get their time to shine as well. And they also, are, they're still involved in this learning process mm-hmm. with everyone uh, or, or like for the beginners. And, and basically just getting everyone more involved. Lah. So I would, I, I like to do that. I like to highlight uh, students. Oh, okay. not, not many teachers do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. It also then you can also rest. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's always nice to 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 show other dancers and their mm. way of interpreting interpreting mm. it. And and whenever I'm in a class, like I get inspired not just by the teachers, but when I see other people executing, I'm like, wow, you can do it like that, mm. you know. So it's it's nice to have that moment to be able to see other people do it because yeah. more than often you only see it during like uh the end of the class when we go into split groups, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But when you see at the at the mid class, midpoint of class or at the start, you're like, oh shit, like okay, I can do it like that. Then you learn from that person as well. Because there's only so much that I can teach. It's nice to get people involved, you know. Oh, I wish yeah. my teachers do that. <laughs> yeah, I have so too. Wait, how long are your classes usually? 90 minutes. I 90. Oh. First of all, I struggle with time management in general. Lah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, but sixty minutes class are pretty. Uh, yeah, it's a bit tight. Yeah, especially for what I want to do, and I guess I mm. I worked hard to be able to demand for that ninety minutes, the extra thirty minutes. Mm. <laughs> uh, now that I can, but I understand. But even with with um Studio B, I still it's tough for the studio to do that because unless you want to increase the student rate, I mean the paying rate. Otherwise, it's hard to also pay the teachers for their time to do a 90 minutes class. Basically, everyone just has to be able to do that, to pay, mm. to mm. teach, to provide the space. Yeah, it's, it's everyone. Lah. It, everyone has mm. to be ready. So right now, I think we're slowly, slowly getting there maybe, or slowly being introduced to it, but it, it will still take some time. Lah. I feel 90 minutes should be a standard because it is that way in, well, at least in America that mm, I know yeah. of and the UK. Yeah, yeah. 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 In Japan, Korea yeah. as well. Like all yeah. The yeah. But also know that, okay, from like a dance studio point of view, then the fees have to increase. So that is the part that maybe some students would mm. struggle or might, you know, have some feedback okay. on. Do you think like dance classes here are accessible enough? Like, are they affordable enough? The reason why I ask this question is because I, I myself, I didn't start going to class until after I graduated uni because I could mm. pay for it. You know, like, mm-hmm. memang ta'ala, you know, my parents not pay for dance class. So like, do you think yeah. like they're accessible enough for the general right yet? I actually think it's quite fairly priced in Malaysia. Yeah, I, I feel it's quite fairly priced because if you go any lower, you can't pay the teacher enough or the studio can't cover the cost of rent or electricity. So I actually think it's quite fairly priced. And of course, I feel like in order for the industry to move forward, it should be slowly priced higher so that we can do things like have a 90-minute class, mm. exactly what we spoke about. Because if we aren't able to increase the fees, we can't do that. In order for students to be better dancers, we also need to have 90 minutes class. So it's kind of like a, yeah, you just need all the, the moving parts to to kind of move together to get to the next stage. I think it's uh, it's alright. Uh, it could be a bit cheaper, especially for the one hour classes. But yeah, then again, I do understand that there's overhead costs, there's the uh, instructor costs, uh, rental costs. 
Um, mm. We could also be because of our currency as well. Because when when we look at like mm. classes, like I take a lot of classes uh, on on Zoom with the Ascendant, and their classes are like thirteen to fourteen dollars mm. uh, per class. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you know thirteen fourteen dollars for a person over there earning in. Aussie dollar it's mm. think of it as like you know like paying 13 ringgit for a class yeah. you know, less <laughs> yeah, ringgit yeah. for a class wow that's I like know, I would man. go like three four times a week man yeah, yeah right yeah. yeah I feel that way whenever I'm in a different country like even just Singapore yeah. it's about there mm. to like yeah 16 dollars yeah 15 dollars something like that at old school yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah. definitely more affordable but yeah like it's, it's really our currency that's yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It's, it's a bit hard to to have that price for mm teachers and for studios and and i guess because now that i'm exposed to babel and on the fitness side yo <laughs> fitness costs so much shout out to babel like in my first two years first year especially for in, when i was working as a full-time instructor before i started babel dance i go through their their, their trainings that it provides mm-hmm. like say i'm okay i'm a certified animal flow instructor for level one mm-hmm. and that course is easily 2k for two days Go. It's more expensive it. than a business course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how fitness courses are priced. Or even like yoga courses as well. It's, it's around there. It's it's always in the thousands. Mm-hmm. But uh, you try lah. You try dance, dance, dance <laughs> course. So, yeah, yeah we, we're just, yeah. So sometimes I, I, I would, I struggle. I definitely struggle with putting pricing because I know that I want it to be accessible and affordable. But at the same time, I do want to start also elevating the dance industry so that mm-hmm. um, the dance teachers can be paid more, dance studios can earn more, and then hopefully do more for the scene. Whether it's bringing more teachers or just being able to have more events, it's just I think the, the scene will thrive more if dancers are able to be paid better. And then dancers can go take classes, have the money to improve themselves, travel, you know? It's tough, la. it's tough. It, you, it, there's so many angles to look at. Do we look at the student angle? Do we look at the teacher's angle? Do we look at the studio's angle? But yeah, that's actually a very good point. So yes. I mean, like a lot of problems, like it requires like, a very multifaceted solution, right? Well, I, I think we're totally going to a different topic. I also know <laughs> that okay. people who are a bit more well-to-do, they will want to deal with people who present themselves well. You, yes. So that's also another thing that dancers would need to, to uh, work on. If you want to hit uh, a different market, then you need to work on yourself. How you present yourself, lah, basically, mm-hmm. to the public, your face-to-face interaction, your calls, your emails, the way you present yourself is so important. But yes. I haven't finished. I want to answer your your, yes, your yes. question, Tadi, uh-huh. on okay. the mixed ability. Uh-huh. So the first one we talked earlier about being the technical side of things, of being a teacher uh-huh. and showcasing whoever, helping whoever. But I realized over the, the, my years of teaching, um, the second part to, to, to that is that people who have, who has different, if you have different abilities in class, there will be moments where some of your students who have no background, they will surprise you. Because every different students have, a, a, obviously we all have different stories. Students who are not trained dancers, they approach it differently than trained dancers. The lack of maybe awareness kind of open them up more for for more expression like like the lack of technicality if you're not so honing on like okay i need to do this because this is what my popping teacher said sometimes they, they kind of just have more freedom you know they bring a more textured story to to your choreo or to your class sometimes they are more honest or more unhinged and, and they lay it all out you know because they're not so judgmental on their techniques sometimes sometimes 
so yeah, I feel like like whenever I I see that that a, a beginner or a, a intro level student is can't really get the techniques right, but just has this ability to be honest. I will also always point that out if they're comfortable. I would. Ask if he or she if they want to show it, if they're okay to show it, and do a solo because like I feel like it's so important to be honest, to be your most honest version. Yeah. In, and I feel like if you have honesty in in your movements, that's where we learn to to heal ourselves, and that's where we learn to heal other people around you. And other people feel like there's there's this space where they are able to be free, you know, to be safe to express. Yeah, and I feel that through my experience, a lot of of students who dance that way are the non-trained ones. What do you think is important when preparing for a class? Apart from technicality, like mm. you know, learning your counts, music, name of foundation, history, technique. If you have any, I would say the intention and focus. I feel like a teacher needs to be invested in bringing themselves to the class and knowing your focus, lah, knowing your intention of of that class. And it's not the easiest thing to do, you know, to to be fully invested in bringing yourself to the class. And I struggle with it sometimes, but yeah. But I feel like going in with intention and being present is the single most important thing when preparing for class. Aside from the technicality, lah, like choreographing and all that. Yeah, and and I feel that actually one of my way of choreographing or when we talk about intention or focus okay this was back then like, before I started table dance where I had more time when I was just a full-time teacher I, mean, I didn't have to deal with the business side of things I definitely feel like I was more open I was more open in a sense where I feel like I, I was more I was listening more to other people because I had more time to connect with my students and because I was teaching in a in a in Babel then so Babel is yeah. a gym and some of the members they come to work out and then they have time and they spend we spend either we had lunch or whatever so I have time to chat with them and I realized that when I connect with them and I know what they're going through uh, as a human being sometimes when I hear a song I'm like hey I just thought of this person uh, who's currently doing this or going through this I will I will pick that song to a choreograph and I know they're coming next week or whatever then I will like okay I'll pick a song and I wouldn't tell them I wouldn't tell them that I'm doing this for that inspired by them or, or anything so when when it happens or when I'm explaining the intention or when they hear the lyrics then they know like okay all right I know what she's doing because I know that this person or this few people connect to this situation of theirs and then when they when they dance that in class oh it's is Every time I do this, but it has to be—it has to be real, like It has to be pure, like good intention. It cannot be like, oh, I want to do a good class, so I have to think of connecting. It has to come organically, and every time it comes organically and it happens, it is always magic. Always, like there's not one moment that I failed yeah. uh, because my intention and focus is to to connect with their current life situation or story to the choreography to the music, and it's it's pure. And when they are able to handle it, when they're able to take it in, and when they're able to be honest with their emotions in the dance, then other people around them can feel it. And then it just creates this effect of more and more people are daring to be honest with their emotions and feelings and dance more and more, more and more. And then it becomes a cry fest. Fucking love it. <laughs> but it takes time to, to, to also connect with people to be able to do that. And not all of us have the time or energy or effort and luxury to do that. But at that point, I had I was very lucky to be able to have that at, at that mm-hmm. time. 
It seems like the secret to like an awesome Maybelline experience <laughs> is, is like uh, the elements of storytelling, honesty, and relatability. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> yes, girl, you get me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm sure like you've like experienced so many like amazing times in your class. My next question will be quite difficult for you. Can you share us one memorable time? This is a very tough question. I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pop yes, the head. Yes. first thing that comes to my mind. So, uh, okay, so I have this brand called Grind, right? Grind is where I do all my heels classes. And sometimes, uh, now I, I'm more consistent with the heels. But back then, I used to be like, screw it. I don't feel like doing heels today. Um, and then I won't wear heels. And then there was one point where I was like, I don't feel like teaching a choreography today and mm-hmm. I want to do a freestyle session. And then I did it because the songs that I usually use for grind, I mean, I have different styles, up, but my favorite is always R&B. I always go back to that because that's why I really love R&B, alternative music or a mix between those both. And I remember teaching some exercises on energy shifting, on connection, eye contact. And, and so I taught some of the exercises, like uh, whether it's partner or group exercise, I just kind of did that. And then after that, I was like, okay, so using that, let's do a cipher. Ah, Marcus, now I know what a cipher is. <laughs> um, so I just, I got everyone to, to get into a circle and, and then using some of the exercises that, the like eye contact exercises that we did to do it with, with someone else and just dance with someone else, say without breaking eye contact. Yeah. And then when you're ready, the person who invites the person then like, moves away and then the person just continue to dance. And then when you, after you feel like you, you're ready to, invite someone else in that you look around the room and see who you connect with, you know, and, but everyone needs to have their eyes on that person. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So then you see, and then, and then if you connect with that person's vibe or energy, then you go, you invite that person, obviously with your body language and then in your dance, you know? So I remember this student of mine, uh, her mm-hmm. name is Baba. She's a, yeah, Baba. She, she's not a trained dancer. She, she's a breast cancer survivor. <laughs> oh my God. Seeing this, I feel like crying. <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched her dance and she just danced with with everything she danced with everything like everything I could like everyone in the room could feel it she just she did not hold back she danced with everything and and uh, and it just everyone cried everyone in the room saw it and we were just just in awe of the, the honesty and the she always lost her life, right? Yeah. So, so, so I think it's just they they treat life differently. They treat movement differently. That's why these are, you know, when I was talking to you about if you have like a, someone who is just non-trained in your class, you never know the story. And then they, yeah. they, they more often they have so much more to offer to us. So yeah, so she came in there and she danced, and then she invited her her sister uh, to dance with her, and then just watched the both of them connecting, and and because. Obviously, this sister also took care of her when she was uh, when she was battling cancer, and just to see that connection, oh, I felt like it was just such an honor mm. to be able to witness that. And I was very happy that some of the uh, freestyle dancers, uh, like Darren, they are, um, a few of them uh, were present. Yeah, and it just it just changed our perspective entirely about dance. Because we always aim for to be like a great choreographer, you know, yeah. to be known for this, to be so like technical and post the best like dance video you can do 
to win battles, to, you know, and all that. But sometimes you forget that this gift of dance is, it's for everyone, you know? And if you're able to be this vessel or this connection for people to experience dance, wow, what an honor, what what an extreme honor to be able to do that. It really touched you, didn't it? Oh, it did. It did. Um, and yeah, so I, I would, I think that would be the highlight. And I thought, and then this, um, this completely changed Bayon as well. We will talk about it sometimes and we always bring this back because like there was this, this humanness of, of dance that is so important that, that sometimes we forget, you know? So this is something that, that me, Bayon and back then Darren, like as well, like we were always uh, talk about it and then again, like, and just remind ourselves again about that. But yeah, but I have to say like the, the, the reason why I think I was daring enough to do a kind of like a, a freestyle circle was at that time I was actually taking acting classes from Raziz Hashim. He was very kind to to offer me uh, like a five sessions uh, acting 101 and he was teaching his acting methods because I was in the zone as a, as a student. Uh, I remember what he was teaching. I was like, I kept thinking, wow, I can do this in dance. Wow, I can teach it in dance. So I had the balls lot to like, okay, screw choreography. I'm not feeling choreography because this is what I feel and what I learned and I, I need to apply it before I forget. And then I just kind of use it in a dance form. And yeah, I just, wow, it was this magic. Yeah, thank you for this question. Wow, made me cry. <laughs> I think you're the first person who cried on this podcast. <laughs> well done, well done. All right, that's all for this episode. We'll be bringing Maybelline back to talk about her lessons in building one of the most successful dance-based brands in the country. In the meantime, remember to subscribe if you haven't already done so. Don't forget to share the episode if you found it useful. This episode is produced by Sean Chin and edited for clarity by Diana Rahim. Special thanks to Farahin Eliana and to our special guest, Maybelline Wong. I'm your co-host Izaz. This is the Shoes Off No Camp Podcast. See you next time.